Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, we got a special and unusual, I think, podcast today with Scott Ingram. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I was mentioning to Scott as we were prepping that it's this weird situation of two podcasters talking to each other. So we're going to talk a lot about what it takes to be in the top 1% as an individual contributor salesperson. Before we do that, I just want to introduce Scott to you real quick. He is in his day job, the account director at Relationship One, and in his off-hours job, he is the host of a bunch of podcasts, most notably in the sales world, the Sales Success Stories podcast, which again does cover those top 1% salespeople. He also does a daily sales tips podcast. So definitely check both of those out. Uh, Scott, in order to get to know you before we dive into some of that stuff, what's your favorite book and something you've gotten out of it? It's so funny. I've been talking about this book for probably the last three or four years, but it just had such a significant impact on me. And that is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. It's not really a sales book, but mindset is such a core ingredient to sales success. And the way that he framed up that mindset of just taking ownership of everything that you can and holding yourself responsible and accountable is such a great, powerful message. And the way that that story gets told in that book is fascinating. Well, it relates, I think, to some of the things I know you hold near and dear to your heart on the top 1% individual contributor world. Why exclusively interview those top 1% salespeople for your podcast, as opposed to talking to the folks that a lot of us talk to, right? Which is sales leaders, CROs, occasional consultants slash authors. Why focus on those top 1% people? For a lot of reasons. And I think the first one is it's ground that's not really covered. If you want to hear from the folks that are writing the books and are speaking on stages and doing that kind of thing, you can hear them on dozens of different podcasts. You don't often get to hear from the folks that are in the trenches doing the highest levels of work and producing the highest levels of results. And that's what I wanted to get to when I started the show. I mean, I've, I read tons of books. I, I consume a lot of this content. I am a student of sales. But the voice that was missing for me was somebody that is doing it right now in the environment that we are all dealing with right now. So in the distraction or in the middle of a pandemic, how are you finding success? It reminds me of this comment that a CEO I worked for once, you can't scale suck. It took me a while to understand what he meant by that, but it means if you're doing something just for the sake of scale, it actually may not be such a good idea. Rather, do the right thing and let that right thing work. So in this case, it's you could target people with humongous followership on LinkedIn. Oftentimes, those top 1% salespeople don't, but you can find a way, right? If your content is amazing, you're going to scale that even though it's not the traditional way to select guests for a podcast. Yeah. What's interesting is I built a model to help me understand who were the top performing salespeople on LinkedIn. And we did this whole LinkedIn sales stars project earlier this year. And I think of that list, two of those people are qualified and have actually been on my podcast, Amy Quick and Sarah Brazier, who are both absolute rock star individual contributors and killing it on LinkedIn. But there's very, very little crossover in a measurable way. I mean, the likes and comments and high levels of engagement on LinkedIn is one thing. Producing lots and lots of revenue is a totally different thing. Do you feel that being overly active in social media could actually be a barrier to performance? In some ways, yes. I think to be a really high performing rep, you have to be extremely focused. And Digging into 
any social media platform. I think LinkedIn's a little bit better than most, but they're basically rigged to distract you. It's less about balance and more about what are you going to be maniacal about in a way that's really productive. And I think LinkedIn is such a long-term play, right? If, if you're building a personal brand and building that kind of a network, I think it's important. I think you need to do it, but you really have to sort of temper your efforts and be thoughtful about how much time you're spending in that type of a place. I've observed that too, that just like a great sales leader who learns how to prioritize and say no to things that are not absolutely critical to whatever their objective is, which is at the end of the day, what matters to them. We've hit on a few things, I guess, you've observed across these people that you've talked to, this maniacal focus, <laughs> avoiding excess social media. Are there other patterns that you've observed as you've had particular guests on your show? Let's talk about two. And they're both pretty broad, so we can dig into them a little bit deeper. The first one I would say is just mindset. Right. If you don't have a belief in yourself and your process and your company and what you're selling and all of those types of things, it's really hard, if not possible, to perform at world class levels. The other thing is you've got to have a really strong process. And again, I think this is broader than just a sales process, right? Maybe you follow MedPick, which is pretty popular among some of the folks that have done really, really well that I've interviewed. But it's also about just whether you want to call it a productivity process or a life process, it's really about how do you manage everything, not just sales, because sales fits into every other part of your life, right? If your family's failing, you're probably not going to be able to sell as effectively. If your health is failing, well, it's just not going to work for you to be where you need to be and doing the things that you need to do. It's being introspective. It's seeking out mentors and coaches and leveraging good, strong sales leaders to help you continue to develop and refine this process and improve over time. There's a ton to unpack there. Let's go in reverse order from process to mindset, and we'll just go super deep on process first. I guess really tactically, you need processes not just for sales, but for life. Are there certain, I'll call them hacks or ways of being that some of those top salespeople adopted? Some of it is mindset, and I think it also takes us back to the focus. I don't hear a lot about, I'm an amazing multitasker. Instead, I hear a lot about, I work on one thing and I get really deep and I get really focused. And then when that's done, I'm on to another thing. And so there's a variety of styles, right? Some live very blended lives where life kind of fits into the way that they sell. Others are extraordinarily compartmentalized. My workday starts at 8 a.m. My workday finishes at 5 or 6 p.m. and they're done. Like I'm not going to think about work, but it's really just a choice. It ultimately is... I keep telling people like the secret is there is no secret in each of these individual things. There's very rarely this mind blowing. Oh my gosh, I'd never thought about that. This changes everything. Now I'm going to go do that. And the game's going to change entirely. It's more just about the discipline and about the consistency and about the focus. Yeah. And it makes sense because if we all knew what the one right way was to be productive in any part of our life in sales or elsewhere, we would all be doing that. And yet there's industries devoted to, to self-help and sales training and leadership. And it's because people don't know, which I agree with you. I think they probably know what to do, but they don't always remember to do it. And they don't always adhere to it consistently. That's probably part of the mindset, which is just consistent adherence to whatever process works for them. Well, and discipline too. 
don't you know what you need to do? Probably the thing that makes you the most uncomfortable or that you fear the most, that's probably the thing that would make the biggest difference. And the trick is you just have to freaking do it. I think there are two tactical things, as I've observed also just the top sales reps in the companies I worked for. One is that I mean, it's sort of a subtle variation of what the challenger selling thing was trying to communicate, but I don't think it's super clear, which is that you have the ability to know when to appropriately nudge your decision maker or champion to move the deal to the next stage. Not just to know when to do it, but to actually have the guts to actually do that. Is that an innate talent or can reps learn to do that? And how, if they can learn, which I presume is going to be the answer, how did they actually learn to do that? I think the answer is yes, that you can learn any of this stuff. It's just repetitions. I would spend so much time trying to just figure out the perfect approach and making sure that I had my script just right. And I was going to be able to say just the right things. And A, it never like met the test of battle. And I find these days I learn so much faster by just actually doing stuff and falling on my face and learning through, again, the repetitions. Just if you've got to try it, you've got to experience in real time what is working, what isn't working. How do I continue to adjust and modify and make sure that I'm staying on track? You have to do the work yourself. Like nobody can do it for you. So for salespeople, maybe it's, hey, take a deal that is a long shot or take a deal that is best case or pipeline, whatever in your forecast. So if you lose it, you lose it, right? It's lower stakes and try to nudge the person appropriately at the right time to the next step and see what happens. And then I guess the reward center of your brain will click when, hey, that actually worked. And then you can do it again and again with larger and larger deals. You just got to work your way up to mastery. Yeah, I think you can train grit and you just have to work at it. If you look at uh, was it Gladwell that talked about the 10,000 hours to mastery? I mean, I think there's so many of these books and so many of these ideas that if you don't really dig in, it's easy to misunderstand them. Challenger is absolutely one of those. Like if you really don't dig into Challenger, I think it becomes a recipe to be a jerk. And that's not what it's saying at all. You're not just supposed to be an ass and that's going to help you close more deals. There are relational components to that. And same thing with Gladwell and this 10,000 hour thing. It's not just like I randomly did this thing for 10,000 hours. It was deliberate practice. And so really going deep on and being mindful of, can I intentionally get uncomfortable? Can I work harder on working harder? There's no four-hour work week way to be the number one bestseller. There's working hard and working smart. Nobody's doing this because they're so freaking smart that they've cracked the code and figured it all out. And if you know that person, let me know, but I, I haven't found it yet. I'm smiling because I agree with your subtlety around Challenger. And it's funny that you mentioned the four-hour work week because that dude works way more than four hours per week. And he's very upfront about it. Having a four-hour work week is actually a fiction. So you know, I mentioned this kind of ability to push you're able to push more easily when you've previewed for the decision maker or your champion what the actual process they're going to go through when the purchase is a sale. Because then you say, hey, look, two weeks ago, I showed you this thing. We are at this point. Are you willing, let's say it's a champion, like this is the point where you introduce me to the decision maker. Obviously, you don't say it that way, but you say it in that particular way so that there's like, it lowers the discomfort. But that gets at the second thing, which is, those top salespeople, from what I've observed, 
they absolutely know for every single deal what like the critical next step is as opposed to just some random next step. Yeah. So let's go to what I think of as more the root of that. And one of the other just massive themes that I have seen, and it's probably the biggest kind of myth busting theme among these top performers is what tends to drive this isn't the money. It's not the commissions. It's the ability to serve. And when your approach is that degree of customer centric, like Jeremy, I'm trying to help you. I see where you're trying to get. I understand what you're trying to solve. I've helped other customers solve that challenge. It's so much easier to then talk them through, here's what we need to be thinking about next. I mean, a conversation that I have constantly, because I work for a professional services firm. So we're very project driven. And a lot of the things that people maybe don't think about enough is the change management side of things and the way that projects can get stuck. And so I can explain to them, look, the biggest difference that I see between our most successful projects and the projects that we really struggle with is having really good, strong executive sponsorship. And I can then kind of talk them through what that looks like and then work with them, talk with them about who do you think that might be? And then how do we bring them into this conversation and have them support this? Now, is that also going to help me in my deal? Hell yes. But it's also thinking about the bigger picture of I'm not just worried about the sell. I'm worried about delivering the outcome that I've promised you. And I would assume that also means being willing to walk away from deals where you don't think you can deliver the outcome that they are seeking. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, that story I've heard a thousand times. It also goes with this idea of losing early, right? If it's not there, don't waste your time. Like do the right thing by the customer, do the right thing by yourself. There's nothing worse than closing a deal and having them churn a year later from a broader business perspective. This is bigger than just your freaking commission check. What's amazing, though, is when you do really good job of taking care of your customers and doing the right thing by your organization and lining all of those things up, you tend to make a lot more money. Yeah. On the money piece, you sort of bookended that last commentary with, which is that they're not necessarily driven by money, but they tend to make a lot of money. There was a poll, I was speaking of LinkedIn polls, we're pulling a lot of threads here. Uh, it was a poll that was done by Lauren Tate earlier today, and she asked, basically, would you take a lower OTE to lock in higher base salary. And 65% of people who responded to her poll said, yeah. So they're not as money motivated. One of our execs had this very strong theory that there is a right answer to the question, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Love to hear your opinions about that question and it being a predictor of, of being a successful salesperson. Okay. So I think when it comes to any of these questions, I don't think there's any such thing as a universal predictor because it goes back to this idea of leveraging your strengths. We all have all kinds of different kinds of strengths. I would say that somewhere in the neighborhood of half. <laughs> of the people that have been on my podcast would identify more as introverted than they would as extroverted. And they do extraordinarily well. I mean, for every rule, there's somebody that has broken the rule. It doesn't mean that if you're not super organized and super disciplined that you can't be super successful. You find your ways. And I'm actually really starting to dig deeper into this and have been talking to the Gallup organization. And what we're working on doing is running the strengths finder test across everybody that's been on the podcast and then also just opening it up to our community and using that as a means to one just 
create conversation, right? So as we get ready for our next sales success summit, I think those topics will be really interesting to bring together a group of people that share a same strength to talk about how they apply that particular idea. And what Gallup will tell you is there's no right or wrong strengths, even among sales, because they've dug deep into sales as a specific topic in terms of top performers. And there's no one set of strengths that says this predicts that somebody is going to be successful. It's more about what you do with them. And that's the thing where I think we get trapped with the data. And it's why I love the conversations and the deep dive kind of deconstruction that I do with my show is I think data can steer you wrong when you start to aggregate this kind of stuff. If half the people who are successful are extroverted and half the people who are successful are introverted, if you run that as a poll and then aggregate that data, what does that tell you? Well, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think the magic in making the data mean something or not, and we'll come back to that particular question I framed for you at the beginning of this, which is first stack rank your salespeople and then ask them the question. And then, right, because you got to stack rank in advance on truly objective measure, not just an opinion measure. And then go and look and then find the answer. So after I got this question about, do you hate to lose or do you love to win? I stack ranked all the salespeople. I then surveyed them on where they stood. And then it turned out exactly as you said, that it didn't matter. There was like half the top performers answered one way and or answered the other way. Half the bottom performers answered one way. And, and it is not a predictor of sales performance. I think the same thing is probably true of introversion, extroversion. I have over the years tried some of these different assessments like the divine assessment and there's a whole bunch of other ones out there one that actually i am kind of curious about would be useful to dig into the data is the objective management group stuff from dave curlin i wonder to what extent the questions that are being asked there may or may not be predictive but it's a subtlety about using the strengths you have in the right ways and then developing those development areas in a measured methodical way yeah. A, I don't think there's any one question that is going to be the ultimate predictor. I, I think you have to look at these things in totality. And who are you selling to? What type of sale is this? I mean, it, there's a massive, massive difference between somebody that's doing transactional sales and closing multiple deals a day than somebody that's doing massive enterprise sales and closing one deal every 12 or 18 months. There's so many other factors that come into play that, again, there's no secret shortcut. Like somebody's going to have to do the hard work of evaluating whether or not this individual is going to be the right fit and is likely to be successful. And even among strong sales leaders, what does their track record look like based on what their process is? I think we wish it was more science, but there's an awful lot of art at play. Scott, this is a blast. I, I'm so excited that we had a chance to chat. If people do want to learn more about your podcast, about you, about Relationship One, what's the best way to do that? Top1.fm, T-O-P, the number one.fm. That'll take you to the main Sales Success Stories podcast page. There's pretty much links to everything else from there. Well, what a blast. Thanks, Scott, for being on. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Jeremy. This has been fun. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.